it's me, Katiosaurus. It's me. Hey, dude. And we are coming to you in a historic first from the same location. Yay, we're in the same room. I can, like, uh, punch you on the shoulder. Uh, welcome to episode four of Katie and Eric's Infinite Quest for Attention. We are so excited for this week's episode. We have Patrick Lawler on. If you're not following them on TikTok, why not? They are amazing. Normally, we release our episodes on Thursdays, but Patrick was so kind to come on and really just share a lot about his life, his experiences, and we felt like just in time for Election Day, we really wanted to sort of push this one out then, so this is your Election Day Spectacular. We wanted to make this episode a bit shorter because a lot of people said our last episode was super long, but Patrick is a super interesting person, and when we were listening back through it, there was literally nothing we wanted to cut. As such, we have some important announcements for you. Even capping the show at 90 minutes, we wound up with a lot of extra footage that we really didn't want to lose. And so what we've done is we've actually made that bonus content available on the Patreon. If you would like to support us financially, you can become a member of our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash infinite quest. And if you're not super strapped with cash, you can also support us by leaving a review or a rating for the podcast. It really helps our street cred. We talk about a ton of stuff in this episode, but there's one sort of like vocabulary word that we wanted to explain before we go into the episode because I didn't know what it was uh, and I had to pretend like I did for the entire recording session. So here to explain what it is, is Eric. So the Overton window is basically the set of things that are acceptable at any given time in history. Acceptable to be, acceptable to talk about. A really good example and something that we talk about in this episode are LGBTQ rights. A while ago, it was not okay to be openly gay. And thankfully, as we move into 2020 and beyond, uh, people are starting to come around to the idea that gay people uh, might be people. And so that's what the Overton window is. Oh, and just to set the stage, we recorded this the day after Amy Coney Barrett had been uh, confirmed to the Supreme Court. So that's what we're talking about in the top of the show. And now, without further ado, episode four, transition. Hi, Patrick. How are you? I'm all right, you know, considering. Yeah, last night that was uh, that was some bad news. I had a lot of questions to ask you, but then I changed all of them to just like. Are you okay? How are you? How are you doing? How are you doing with everything? Like, you're, you've got a lot going on right now. Yeah, yeah I guess that's true. Uh, I get attacked a lot. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine that that's fun at all. So how did that, how did that happen? Like, do you want to, do you want to start by telling that story of, of how the, the trolls came for you? Oh, sure. Um, well, I decided to make an incredibly condescending video uh, on purpose. <laughs> I mean, I was doing it like, my thought process was like, TikTok is very over the top and very like, let's all overact. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'll just be super condescending to third party voters. And, uh, and somebody cross posted it to Twitter. And when I first saw this, I, I didn't even get tagged. So when I got there, it was like 200,000 views. I was like, oh my gosh, yay. Cause this happened to a friend of mine and then she got a Netflix special out of it, Sarah Cooper. And I was like, oh my gosh, here it comes. I'm going to blow up on Twitter. And then I looked through all the replies and they were like, we hate this guy. He's the worst. And I was like, oh no, this is the opposite of what I thought was happening. <laughs> well, it was I also, mean, it wasn't just like somebody on Twitter. It was a, it was someone from Crooked Media, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, she has a Crooked Media, she's a host of one of their shows. So it was already a very charged kind of person to, well, a very politically established kind of person. So I imagine the types of people that would see that are particularly uh, passionate, I suppose. Yes. And at first it was just like, 
screw this guy, which is fine, whatever. But then um, I made the mistake because on TikTok, I just respond to people because if it goes poorly, I can block them and delete the comments. And I didn't realize on Twitter, uh, you don't have that option. So I was just snarkily responding to people like, I want to kick this dude in the face. And I'd be like, ouch. (laughs) They were like, oh, how dare you respond? And I was like, oh, oh, God. And then they all came to my page and saw that I have veteran in my bio. And that's when the tankies were like, screw this dude in particular. And they all like brigaded me for four days. Uh, I guess they really hate veterans. Uh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. That's awful. Uh, That's what you get for being an ass on the internet, I guess. (laughs) Well, okay, so... Sorry, what's what's a a, a tanky? Isn't a tanky like a Stalin apologist or something like that? Yeah, so it's... From my understanding, um, they're roughly like 16 to 22-year-old keyboard warriors who have decided to go so far left that they're apologetic for Stalin... Uh, it was like a British term for communists that were apologetic for Stalin, and now they're, it's like an internet movement. So right on its face, uh, I don't agree, and I think it's a stupid ideology. Stalin's a pretty bad guy, uh, I think you could say lightly. Uh, and then they, they all have these, like, I mean, I think, I think anyone who advocates for violent revolution isn't someone I'm a fan of. Uh, and they're like, screw you, you were part of violence. And I'm like, you're advocating for violent revolution. What, what do you, what do you, how do you think this is going to go? And they're like, it's different because communism. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's well, different because it's our cause. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so how did you, okay, so like, we, we know a little <laughs> bit of your backstory, but for the people who are, who are, are thousands of listeners who may not know, uh, do you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? And then how did you end up on TikTok? Like what, what was the, the reason that you went with that platform? Uh, well, broad strokes, uh, I joined the National Guard when I was 18. I then was, since I was colorblind and they killed a lot of medics in Iraq, they made me a medic. They were like, we just need more of them. So I get pushed through the medical program. I ended up liking it. So when I got home, I Googled the word medic, found a paramedic program, thought, sure, uh, joined that. I became the youngest paramedic in the state of Connecticut, uh, which was probably not, uh, honestly, maybe the weirdest decision I've ever made. Like, it's a very difficult job and I was not emotionally prepared for it, but I was going to war. So I took the class. Uh, and then I got deployed to Afghanistan where I worked as a medic. I came home. I'm rushing over a lot. Uh, I got, I got blown up while I was there. Um, but I, since I was the medic, I was concentrated on everybody else. And I was like, Oh no, everybody else got blown up. And I like, didn't, uh, take care of myself or, or even realize I was wounded. And then I came home, I went back to work on an ambulance, which turns out was really bad for my PTSD because it turns out just doing the same thing over and over again is bad for you. Who'd have thought? And, uh, and then my partner, unfortunately, got uh, killed by a drunk driver on his way to work. And then after that, I just sort of, sort of like slowly declined into fi- a day where I just stopped being able to function. And I got hospitalized for, um, I disassociated at work, and I just was like staring off into the middle distance. And my boss, who was a vet, took me down to the VA. And around then, I was like, oh, I think I can't do this anymore. So I left my job. Uh, my fiance left me that same week, and then uh, I was in my house alone, and I didn't know what to do with myself. I finally, after like a year of fighting, got disability. I went back to school, sort of ended up in like a theater program, uh, 
they loved me. They made me like a star and a bunch of stuff. And I was like, oh, I really like theater. And then the girl I was dating moved to New York City. I followed her because life is a movie. Uh, I got here. It turns out that taking an extremely disabled, uh, stress-induced condition person uh, and putting them in New York is bad. So I got worse. She left. I was sad. I threw myself into stand-up comedy. I did that full-time for two years. I started getting passed at some pretty prestigious clubs, like I'm passed at New York Comedy Club, which I'm pretty proud of. Uh, and then, um, you know, the COVID happened. So I uh, I actually volunteered to go back to work as a paramedic, but then that, like for COVID, um, but then that was so stressful that I had like a three-month panic attack and uh, didn't end up doing it at the behest of my therapist. And then, um, long story short, I was like, well... What am I going to do with all of these disparate experiences? So I installed TikTok, and then I started yelling into my mirror, and then I gained 300,000 followers in a month. And uh, now, I'm, now I'm getting yelled at for being a veteran. So it's been a weird 10 years, I'd say. I think that covers most of it. Oh, and then I came out of the closet as non-binary because of TikTok. So uh, this, is just, this is just a lot. A lot happened. Yeah, I'm, that was I'm like two weeks ago, wasn't it? That, that, is, that is an extraordinary amount of stuff. Yeah. Sure uh, is. So, so it seems like the, the concept of like service and duty and like doing good stuff is pretty deep within you. Like, is that, you know, would that be an, an apt, dis, you know, conclusion? Oh, sure. My entire life is uh, me reaping the, the consequences of overextending myself. <laughs> so so how would you say you go every <laughs> time every time it's Working never not going to happen <laughs> no, i know we got to figure out a, a, a hand signaling system or something right. like that um but uh so i'm curious how does the that uh how does the importance of service and duty and overextending yourself and trying to do to use your both physical body and mental prowess to do good how does that factor into your life sort of as a performer, both on the comedy stage and on TikTok? Um, that's an interesting question. I, I don't know if comedy, well, I was going to say, I don't know if comedy is physically taxing, but I, it kind of is. You, you like, it, it's like unhealthy. It's an unhealthy environment. You like live in bars and you are moving from bar to bar for shows so you're just eating like crap like i would just my i don't know where you go in new york to eat something that doesn't take less than five minutes when people are like what do you eat i'm like would you like a five minute dumpling on the way to the other bar that's what i that's my entire view of new york city so and then tiktok is meant more mentally taxing because it's like i've i very loudly positioned myself as like um this like queer icon where I'm like yelling about trans rights, yelling at fascism. And so that brings in a lot of hate from the right, but I'm also saying things like, Hey, if you vote third party, you're selfish, which brings in a lot of hate from third party and the left. And then I am a veteran and I refuse to apologize for that. So that brings in hate from the left. So I'm like, it's an interesting, 
experience being the thing that each side holds up as like the best of itself. Like, oh, look, LGBTQ, we love that, but not you. And then the other side's like, veteran, we love that, but not you. And so it's it's interesting that I get to, um, and I'm like not a centrist. So it's not like I'm standing in the middle being like, both sides are wrong. I'm pretty far left. It's just, they hate me. Do you think though that, choosing tiktok as your platform because i love i love your stuff like every time you come up i'm always just like oh yay it's patrick um but do you think like tiktok has given you that opportunity to be so authentically yourself like kind you know because stand up right like stand up is just like I don't, I don't know if you agree with this, but I kind of feel like the saddest people do stand up. I agree. <laughs> and so it was like, miserable. Yeah. And, and so it's, and so, you know, but it's like, you get that component, you get that, like, you know, performing, but it's like into the void. And so it's like, you have to authentically be yourself, but sometimes, you know, the, the centrists come for you. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. I agree with you. I TikTok has been so interesting for my, like, developing my voice. Because when I was doing stand-up, everything I'm doing is very dependent on, like, audience reaction. And also, like, I'm constantly getting feedback from other comedians. And a lot of it's open mics. So you're sort of just doing comedy for other open mic comedians who are the saddest people on the planet. (laughs) And I have always staunchly been trying to talk about my trauma and the war and, like, that sort of stuff. Which in general just isn't funny. And people don't really want to hear you talk about combat. Like they just don't. And I would, I just fought it. And I eventually made it funny. But I always felt when I was doing stand-up that I was very limited by the, the, like the norms of the form. Don't get me wrong. There are certain performers like Hannah Gatsby who are just like, screw your notions of what this should be. And I love that, but I wasn't, I don't know, maybe not brave enough or just too new to be like, I'm going to do what I want. And then I came on TikTok where I have almost no, uh, like, I'm the only one. So it's all dependent on my voice. I mean, granted, I'm sort of fighting with a robotic algorithm, but. Yeah, we all are right now, I think. (laughs) I I have a shrine in my bathroom. (laughs) But it definitely brought out like more theater, more theatricality. It, it brought out more of my, like, sometimes I'm not even trying to be funny. I'm just yelling or I'll just pick an emotion and be like, this is what I'm going with today. Sometimes I just give speeches. Like I gave like Captain America speeches the other night, like last night. I was that just was like, really, hey. that was beautiful. That was yeah, such well, a good you. video. He, he's pretty good at that. Uh, okay. So let me ask you this. End, Cause this that is was an the- end game reference. Sorry. I just want to point out. <laughs> So I don't know, like, I, I feel really selfish acknowledging this. And so like, I don't know if, if this is just a me problem or whatever, but do you feel that there is like a, like a loneliness, like you get to a certain point yes, and it kind of starts literally to saying it to my therapist yesterday, be, it starts to feel lonely, right? Like it starts to be like you alone in your living room, but like, and you're just giving like, you know what I mean? 100%. I... I talk about the parasocial aspect of this a lot because I get a ton of hate, but I also get a ton of love, but both of them are equally um, unpleasant in different ways. Because when I receive this love, it's like, you don't really know me though. You don't, you say that this is like, you're perfect. And I'm like, I'm so far from, and it's, it's just as like, 
Because, like, the hate, when I get it, I'm just like, well, that's not me. I'm not a baby killer. I never killed anyone. I never fired my weapon. I was a medic. So when I, someone says, like, you're a baby killer, it means as little to me as when someone says, you're perfect. And mm. both of them uh, makes it very isolating. Although I will say I think that this is a problem that, like, all performers face, which is why I think they largely hang out with one another. It, it reminds me of how in the military when you're an officer – and you're in charge, you don't really have buddies. You're just, it's just like you, and you have to be always on because you're the leader. And this feels the same way. Like, I feel like everything I do is being watched by hundreds of thousands of often children in young 20s. So I have to be like really careful about what I say and how I respond to things. And it, it's, it's often like putting my own needs aside for, to, to give more to these people. Yeah, I also, I think something that's, you seem to tend, or I suppose in the military you got um, very rigid sort of hierarchical relationships. Like everything was done, I imagine, in a very purposeful, specific way for a specific reason. You sort of, you got orders, basically. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas in the creative world of performance, you're essentially doing getting the opposite. You have complete creative control. There is nothing that you... I mean, you literally could say whatever you want. You probably shouldn't and don't. <laughs> but the entire field is open of things to say. You are completely free to do whatever you want. Um, which sort of... I find a lot of comfort in, in, in being in a rigid structure. Like, I work in a kitchen, for example, so I have many layers of bosses, and I'm always doing the things that they're telling me to do. Which is... I'm not a soldier. It's very different, of course. Um... But I find a lot of comfort in that. So when I'm in a, a creative situation or any other situation in which I'm free to pursue my own anything, I get terrified of all that freedom and I'm afraid that I'm going to step on something or I'm going to say the thing that ruins it all. Um, so do you find yourself uncomfortable with sort of the creative freedom that you have, um, I, I suppose, uh, the creative freedom you have both on stage and on, and on TikTok, um, given that it's sort of all up to you, you have complete control over over everything that you say, and all your mistakes and failures and successes are your own. Mm, yes and no. It's very one of the things that's really helpful to me is I don't I don't know if this is an ADHD thing or maybe a little on the spectrum thing or PTSD thing, but I'm very disconnected in my brain from my right and left hemispheres. So when I'm being creative, the, the me that drives this meat mech, uh, he seems to, they seem to, to step back and this other creativity comes out. And I, I really like the way that, um, I think it was the Greeks described all creativity is like your genius spirit would work through you. So a lot of the times I just will like get in the mirror and... I'll start something and be like, this is wrong. I'm not doing this right. And I will keep doing it until the, the voice in the back of my head is like, that's what this is supposed to be. So I don't, I don't feel like I'm that much in control of what I'm doing, I guess. <laughs> it's just sort of happening through me. And I also have been like establishing rules for myself that I adhere to about like how I do my like what I talk about and and how and I think that and like I'm building sort of my own structure granted that I could tear that down at any point you know it's just 
How did you, now. how did you come up with the, with the structure that you're using right now? Like what, what was just like what worked and what didn't work or. Uh, trial and error as well <laughs> as more like once I realized the audience that I had, I started to try and be like, okay, don't swear. Don't, um, don't attack. Like I refuse to do attack videos. I don't go to the conservative side of TikTok and find their nonsense and then stitch it. Like that's, I'm like, nope. I will defend if you come to my page and start some stuff, but I'm not going to be in a, an attack TikToker. Like, stuff like that, I've slowly over time sort of seen what I think is working and what isn't working on the app, and I'm, I'll, I'm also uh, mercilessly stealing from other creators. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love that about TikTok is, I mean, not, I think the key with all art is to steal from so many people that nobody can tell who you're stealing. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So my videos are a little bit, a little bit of the great Dane, a little bit of bun daddy, a little bit of, um, the tins man, both of you I've stolen from. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Have you really? I feel That's so honored so nice. at this moment. I, I only started talking about ADHD cause I was like, Oh cool. That's what people talk about on this app. I have that. <laughs> <laughs> that's phenomenal i actually was really funny i you the two of you were like some of the first creators i ran across on the app and i was like boy this app has my number huh <laughs> <laughs> but i i've been diagnosed with adhd since i was four so it's largely something that i don't think about that often because it's just been like my whole life is just but you have adhd and i'm like i know yeah and my the last 10 years have been like me fighting the ptsd bugbear so I like forgot that I had it until I came on this app and you were like, I saw your videos being like, this is ADHD. And I was like, oh shit, I do that. <laughs> oh yeah, I have ADHD. And it's like made me start thinking about like my behavior more being like, maybe this isn't cause of the war. Maybe this is cause of executive dysfunction. How or both, you, I don't know. Totally poor, poor canalos dose. Um, do you, do you find there are any, like identifiable and interesting interaction, interesting if unpleasant interactions between your PTSD and ADHD, not to mention mixed with the, the TBI. Yeah, I've, I've done a few videos about it. Like I don't sleep during the night um, because of both the, the, the ADHD, like going to sleep later. And then I also got attacked a lot during the night. So like the combination of them, I am completely wired. Like I will get a little sleepy when the sun starts to set and then I'm completely wired all night which is when mm -hmm. I do a lot of my work. And I I think that's uh, like the two of them kind of. It's also um, the depression of both. My gosh, does it mix in wonderful, Jesus, horrifying yeah. ways. Because yep. like I've, I've been depressed since I was a kid, but like <laughs> post-war, oh my God. Jesus, I absolutely can't imagine. I mean, the ADHD, so I have ADHD and depression. I didn't go to what? work. What? What? No oh my way. God. <laughs> like, the like, fuck? Oh my gosh. You'll uh, stay tuned for my Netflix special in two years. Um, but uh, I mean, they, inter they interact in very interesting ways too. In a lot of ways, I think my depression was brought on by my ADHD, which I've had since I, was, I wasn't diagnosed until I was 15, but I mean, it was always very clear looking back. Um, so do you think, do you, do you said that you got diagnosed with ADHD at four. How soon after that did your depression sort of set in and did, do you think they were related? Oh, I 100% think they were related. I was also like the poster child for let's try everything on this one kid and see how it goes. 
So I was on like every designer ADHD med growing up. Like it would, they would cycle me through them and I would try shit that like does, isn't even around anymore. I was on Ritalin for a while, Concerta for a while. Uh, I think I was on the earlier form of Adderall. Uh, and there were like two or three in the middle that like are lost to time because they didn't work that great. <laughs> but they like when I was when I was 16 and I, I, it, I didn't take well to them. Like I'm just like a loud, hyperactive kid. And they were like, oh, God, it's not working. You just up the dose. So I when I was 16, I was on a full adult dose, 75 milligrams of Concerta, which is wow. like, holy oops. shit. Yeah. Jesus. So I'd just be sitting in class like, ah, ah, ah. and they were like, oh, God, it's not working. Oh, we keep giving this kid meth and, it, and he just keeps having. Uh, so I think that and then I would, you know, I'd come down off that and I'd be like, I'm so sad. And they'd oh, be like, yeah. well, here's some uppers, kid. And so like I was on depression meds at like 11 or something. And but, like. I don't think anybody really understood what was going on. They were just like, yeah, I don't know. This kid seems sad. Give him some, just give him drugs. And I wasn't particularly forthcoming with therapists because I was just already done with it. I was like, I've been in this since I was four. So they would ask me stupid questions and I'd be like, I, I can tell you're leading me. So I would just give them dumb answers, which really <laughs> didn't help. You think uh, that being like, cause I, I have recently had that moment of realizing that like, I have had depression my whole life. I just never knew that other people didn't feel the way that I feel. Yeah. And so like, do you think that being a depressed kid made you funnier? Cause I feel like it made me funnier. Cause I don't know. <laughs> I do. I, I really feel like that. Cause I feel like no, I was too. always trying to compensate because I felt like such shit that I was like, maybe if I can make the people around me laugh, then they won't feel like I feel not realizing that people don't feel the way that I feel like that is genuinely how I feel about my humor is like it's evolved because I wanted to like help people like I don't know I don't I don't know if I did that I do remember when I was a kid I realized very early on that I was weird and socially awkward and most of my interactions would go poorly unless I could get people to laugh. And I was like, if I can get them to laugh, then it's smooth sailing. So I just like, but I wasn't good at it. So I just <laughs> would like try over and over and over again to get people to laugh and just escalate to these absurd degrees. <laughs> and I would do at, like I would do anything, like anything for a laugh. And in school, it got bad because I was like climbing trees and yelling and like dancing on lunchroom tables and stuff. And I don't know if that was from the depression or just I find it that if everybody's looking at me, I'm in control of the situation. And I, I've maintained that throughout my life. And it's just easier. If people are laughing, it's just the conversations are... People are less hostile and mean if they think you're funny. Even if they don't particularly like you. <laughs> which made paramedicine a little easier. I would just kind of crack jokes. And people... Some people don't appreciate you cracking jokes while they're dying. But, you know, it's, it's heavy. I want to lighten the mood. <laughs> Do you ever get a, did you ever get a really good laugh in, like, a terrible situation like a medical situation but you just nailed the joke 
I don't remember what the joke was, but while, and this is going to sound sad, but while I was putting my buddy on a helicopter after he got hurt, I, I cracked some joke and, um, he was like, please don't make me laugh. I, I got, I got hurt in the gut. <laughs> <So> <laughs> he took like shrapnel to his abdomen. I don't, I don't remember specifically, but I, I was making him laugh and he was like, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> like, Hey, knock, knock. Sorry. Bad time. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you're listening to Katie Osaurus and Hey Good's interview with Patrick Lawler on Season 1, Episode 4 of Katie and Eric's Infinite Quest. You can find them on TikTok as Patrick Lawler, and you can find their podcast, War Porn, pretty much anywhere you listen. If you're enjoying the show, please do leave a rating and a review, and consider donating to our Patreon, patreon.com slash infinitequest. Okay, so I have a question because I have I've got some insider information. Um, but I've been informed that you're a big fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Is this true? I am. Yeah, I'm obsessed. He, okay. he he has a podcast about it. It's not really insider information. It's, <laughs> I wanted to sound cool. It's, Don't it's take great. that away from me. I, this is my <laughs> one chance to sound cool. Um, okay, so okay, so then I would love to know what is your opinion on the like adhd is a superpower like what how where do you where do you stand katie has opinions but i i gen this mm, okay right right? no it's okay it's okay (laughs) okay so here's here's my okay first of all i'm one i think that adhd is just an offset of the spectrum i think that i think the more we learn about it the more Mm -hmm. it like the more the more we adopt other things like Aspergers and stuff into the spectrum, the more I'm like, that's eighty. Come on, so I so I'm not so I'm still convinced a little bit that I might be a little Aspergersy because I have like um, idiot savant abilities that don't fall under the ADHD purview. Like I can draw really well and I have perfect pitch and some other things, and those seem like superpowers. Uh, like I can draw anything I can see. I'll just go into a trance and I'll be able to for eight hours and then out comes like a printer, but, uh, that I can't do it whenever I want. So they're like inconvenient superpowers. I, I think that they, mm, I I think of it in the same way. I think of the X-Men. I think that ADHD and autism to a certain degree, certain people who have it are what is pushing human evolution. I think that probably most of the, the great thinkers of our time were non-neurotypical people like I don't like Einstein and and Galileo and all those people I think if you look at the world and you're like maybe everything's tiny little atoms I think that there's something probably wrong with your brain not wrong but (laughs) so yeah so I'm like I think that it's like a part of why humanity is growing but also our society is like wildly not set up to accept us in it I feel the same way about like veterans, like veterans usually come back from war and the ones that have like processed it usually come out of it with a lot of wisdom. And back in the day, like, I mean, way back, like thousands of years ago, if you went off to war, you'd come back and they'd be like, you're the elder now. You're full of wisdom. So, but like our society doesn't do that. Our society's like, you're homeless now. So thank you for that. Uh, so that's how I, I guess I feel about it. I, I think that they're, there are superpowers that don't function in our current system. So as, so as somebody who, who is a veteran and, and who has experienced these things, like how, 
how do we make things better for people like you? How do we make things better for veterans? Like what, what do we need to do? How do we, how do we make that shift? Well, I think a lot of it, like most things, probably comes down to media portrayals. Most people don't really know anything about us, so they assume things based on what they've seen. In, Like, I have a, a stand-up joke where I say that, like, I literally thought that PTSD, even though I was in the military and, like, knew people with it, I thought when I came home, it would be like, you're going to choke out your girlfriend while you're sleeping because of the show Grey's Anatomy. That's, that's what I believed. <laughs> Because of the the remember season two I, we yeah were, I remember that actually the like, whole yeah arc, the but whole the entire, arc is like yeah Iraq that's why he choked out the Asian doctor I should Jeez. I should learn her name for this bit instead of just saying. Uh, I know <laughs> the actress's o. name Sandra O oh, Sandra yeah, yeah, yeah. O <laughs> she's wonderful I love her um it, so I think like media portrayal is important and then it's also like. I think we as a society need to recognize the value added that people in, like, I'm incredibly calm in stressful situations. That, that's how I'm built. It, I, don't, I think it also the ADHD helped that, but, um, like, it, it gave me an edge being a paramedic because I'm just not. It's like if something crazy goes off, I'm immediately calm. I'm better in stressful situations than I'm in non-stressful situations. Granted, now that doesn't really help because I have PTSD, but... So I think that there are, if we find ways to like include veterans more and we find, I mean, there's some pushes for that, like to, to hire them in certain fields, but I think largely we need to change like the societal, the Overton window of, of how we see vets just in the same way that like we've started to include uh, gay folk and the LGBTQ into mainstream culture. Whereas 30 years ago, it was like, Oh, those, those degenerates or whatever. Yeah. And now it's like, Oh wait, there's like, they, there's tons of value added that, that if we give them, you know, the resources and what have you. Absolutely. And, yeah, and, I, um, Oh, you go ahead, Eric. Well, I, I think, <clears throat> I think TikTok is hopefully has provided uh, a vehicle for the shifting of the Overton window to include, um, to include being able to talk about things like PTSD and ADHD and autism and Asperger's. Um, it's sort of, I mean, look, it, it's, it's, it's sort of insane that we haven't really been able to, to, to all agree on, on common language to d openly discuss these things, or at least it's not acceptable to discuss those things. It's absurd. It, it's like, it'd be like having a patient with like a whole, I don't want to, the whole aspect of their like physiology that you just can't address like, like it, you can't, like as a society, we need to be able to do that. What I do worry about is that rather than shifting the Overton window in a more liberal, open and accepting direction, we're expanding it. So we're also, in, we're, we're becoming more accepting of, of, you know, the LGBT community and um, the not neurodivergent community, but we're also sort of, we still got Nazis and we're still having them on like talk shows and stuff. What the hell? Which kind of worries me. Um, so... I don't I don't know if the Overton window is expanding or if we're just seeing the I this is this is a question that I ask myself constantly because I agree with you we're seeing like Nazis on on TV and we're you know the president is out there saying just absurd things like which white supremacists should I denounce all of oh, them Jesus what you should denounce all, of, all them. of them it's not a hard Jesus. it's the, not the, hard 
the poor boys. I, God, I loved that gaff. <laughs> the, the poor, the proud boys and all that. But <laughs> I, there's a part of me that wonders if it's, are we seeing mainstream society allow them to speak or are they just screaming so loudly in the last da- like dying gasps of their ideology that mm. we're hearing it? Like, cause I don't, I don't know if, is that mainstream or is it just fr- really loud fringe movements? It's like, mm, like I, like these tankies, like that's the problem I think with social media is it, it's a echo chamber that amplifies these voices that aren't actually like super prevalent. Like there aren't that many Nazis in the U S statistically. It's just that the ones that exist are really loud and they're being amplified. But like 99% of America aren't Nazis. Probably more than that. It's probably like 99.9%. Like maybe is a hundred, what like a hundred thousand people who would willingly be like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Nazi. (laughs) So, I feel yeah, like that's also- that's the that's the thing though is like is the because of the way that like the news media cycle works now and how social media works in conjunction with that we're at this like moment where the most interesting and the most controversial and the most like clickbaity and the most like oh I'm going to watch that video is like the extremes of everything and so it's like Nobody wants to go watch footage of like a fairly like innocuous, you know, political rally in Indiana where everybody gets along. They want to watch <laughs> the one where like a fuck shit ton of Nazis roll in, you know? That's um, true. And like, I don't, you know, like, I don't know, but like, the, but then it's like weird because then you get to like TikTok where it's like, you can just be a Nazi. You, you just, you, you can, you, you can just do that. You can just be like, you know what? My niche is that I'm going to just say really hateful shit all the time. And then you'll find that audience. And then that audience is like, yes, clearly like ugh, everybody thinks this way. So it's like a self-perpetuating cycle. Yeah. Like, I, like, you sorry, guys haven't please. found yourself on a Nazi talk yet. I haven't, I have, I don't know how I've managed to not find myself on Nazi talk. I, as you say that, that's literally how I built my platform is I just took really strong opinions about controversial things. Like I'm one of my first video that really exploded was when I summoned the gays. I started the video by going, I need to summon the gays. (laughs) I, I'm a, I'm, I'm a veteran questioning his gender identity and these damn fascists are attacking me. And (laughs) That like that blew up, and then the video I did right after that was I just aggressively yelled at Republicans about how trans people are people, and if they don't agree, they're cowards and bigots. And that post blew up, and I realized quickly that if I just yell at the opposition and take really strong stances, I can both support my community and also get a, just an apeshit ton of views. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to take really controversial stances. Like, which, well, I mean, are they controversial? Because I'd be like, hey, Black Lives Matter. And people would be like, how dare you? And I'd be I like, mean, oh, cool, that wasn't hard. I've run into that on some of mine. Like, and I don't, like, I really don't do a lot of politics stuff because I just, like, I, that's never been where my brain is. And now I'm, like, watching yours and I'm like, I feel like I should say more things about what it's like to be a queer woman. But, like, that's that's the thing is people just, yeah, how dare how dare you think that people are people? How dare you <laughs> perpetuate this stereotype that we should give trans people the right to to live? Like I'm like what 
what are you what are you doing why why did you comment that what are you doing <laughs> the the trans video oh my god like one of the interesting things i've found about tiktok is i when you get big enough you can kind of start to figure out what people's arguments are like i all my video is basically trans men are men and trans women are women and if you don't think so you're a bigot and oh my god the the number of people and this was before i would found out i was trans non-binary but i guess that's under the umbrella um I was just like, I just support this community. I mean, maybe I knew deep down. Anyway, I've, I'm ADHD derailing myself. As I welcome to the party. I, <laughs> we all are. What was I? I uh, trans. Oh, like the number of people who were like, oh, well, first of all, they have one joke. And it's, well, what if I identify as a TAC helicopter? And Fuck so I got off. that. Oh I got God. that a million times. Which and is the offensive other was, from a writing perspective, just to say. Just from a not, writing perspective. It's not even a funny joke. It's not funny. God damn it. I straight Anyways. up fired a dude day one for making that joke one time. Like, <laughs> so did you really? Day, I did. I straight the fuck did. Fuck that guy. Like, Good. Because like, I was like, hey, everybody, like, introduce yourself. Like, what are your pronouns? Like, important shit. And he came out. He's like, yeah, and I'm going to check helicopter. And I was like, mm. and then I was like, you never need to come back. Straight up fired him. Mm. <laughs> I'm still proud of that. I'm sorry Beautiful. I derailed that. You should be. It's a ter- <laughs> it's it's I'm it's such an unfunny joke. Like as a comedian, I'm like, what is the joke here? That pronouns are dumb? Like it's it ugh, what if I and then people are like, what if I identify as a cat? And I'm like, that's not the same. You're just showing how ignorant you are. <laughs> and then the other one was chromosomes. What about the chromosomes? It's like, what Jesus. about them? Well, how, well, you have you have you guys Fine. seen the um the TikToker Vouch, I think is his name. He has a whole Twitch stream that's like super successful. It's V-A-U-S-H. Um, yeah, I've run across him. But yeah, he's, he's a smart guy. I, I, I agree with most of what he says, or at least I always find what he says interesting. But he's like, when you if somebody is anti-trans or anti-non-cis people, I guess, um, or just anti-LGBTQ like in general, the truth of it is, is that they are grossed out for some reason. Like, that's what it really is, is they just can't, in, in their head, they just can't, because they're stupid and unable un, un, to understand that other people's experience as a human is different than theirs. And then everything else is built on top of that. And like, so when I hear the, 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 the attack helicopter and the chromosome things, like, I just want to be like, dude, you know, like, Come on, like if you're gonna be a huge asshole and a bigot, like at least just be the real version of that. Just really be like, hey, I'm a piece of shit and that's why I think this. Cause that's the only real answer, really. I, I think it comes down, I mean, as most things do, I think it comes down to uh, an aspect of toxic masculinity where men try to put everything into a box of, do I want to sleep with this? And I think that they, I, I think this is a, I see this a lot on TikTok, like this question of like, would you date a trans person or would you sleep with a trans person? And usually it's like in a joke format where the other person's just like, are they chill? And, and then like, I see that. Are they funny? That, yeah, I've yeah, seen that funny? video. It's, it's funny, yeah. Um, but I, I think that, I think we got to teach these people like, hey, you don't have to sleep with anyone that you don't want to. Anyone. And for any reason. Like, I mean, if you choose the reason to be like, because they're blank, you're probably bigoted against that thing. But like, you still don't gotta. So, like, I, I feel like we get more acceptance of the trans community if we just teach the bigots, like, hey, you don't have to sleep with them. In fact, they probably don't want to sleep with you. You're a bigot. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, they're like, but what if, what if I, like, take one home? And I'm like, none of them are going to lie to you. Like, and if they do, that's a bad person. If you get, like, tricked, like, 
the you not everyone's out trying to trick you guy they're just trying to live their life and you're like tariff also not the entire world doesn't boil down to whether or not you're gonna sleep with someone <laughs> but i see that argument so much like well i think it's because they're so fragile in their sexuality that they're afraid that if they're attracted to a person and it turns out that person was born male they're like but but then i gay but gay bad <laughs> I think it also absolutely circles back to what you were talking about before about like the media portrayal is because yes. like you see that portrayal of like oh I'm trying to trick and I'm like nobody does that like that's not <laughs> that's not a thing like they're like recently like, like as like, early as like the mid 2000s yeah, there are and, entire bits and movies it's terrible. well and there's that fantastic documentary that they just made um about like just trans representation in media and like that was so like just eye opening to me about like oh wow like this is problematic like it's trans people are being presented as these like malicious mom and it's like they're people who are just trying to live their fucking life and want to go to the bathroom in peace like leave them alone <laughs> like oh my I god don't, I, I don't understand this argument of like but what if they do what if they say they're a woman and then they attack people in the bathroom it's like well then it's a crime yeah then You're they're a bad person what your their argument is literally but what if crime happens it's like uh, uh, they don't have to they, men are just gonna assault women they don't have to put on a dress <laughs> to do it there's not a bouncer at the door they can just go in the bathroom like, yeah, they don't have to like, do the whole thing not, they don't have to be like uh, um i identify as a woman i will now be <laughs> yeah oh you I guys don't have that in your bathrooms there's not like the check-in like we have that in, in the in the girls bathroom there's like the oh. little check-in station like uh, i have, have one at home but he's on break that? That's that's yeah. weird. <laughs> I what? also I love that I live in New York and all the bathrooms here are unisex. So it's just a non-problem here. Yeah. See, I live in Georgia where it is like officially oh, a problem. Oh jeez. Uh, but okay, so if if you are comfortable talking about this awesome and if not we can cut this part out. But uh you recently came out as non-binary on on TikTok. Do you do you mind talking a little bit about that journey and and how you came oh, to that? Oh sure personal revelation yeah uh i've always felt it's funny i my best friend growing up um him and i were both weirdos and we lost touch and he reached out to, she sorry she reached out to me and was like hey uh at first uh she was diagnosed with um she thought she was on the spectrum and then she came up later and was like actually i'm trans and she was really worried about how I would take it because I was more of an ass when I was younger. Uh, I was a tad transphobic. I mean, the military isn't the best for the toxic masculinity, and I was a bit of a dumb kid. So, uh, But I had at that point grown more and was very accepting of, of her, and I was, I was so happy she came out. And now I, and then I thought I was a little on the spectrum. I still kind of do. But then now I'm like, oh, I'm non-binary. Maybe I'm just, so it's like we had the same journey, just yeah. um separated i didn't know that you could be non-binary i i've always felt odd and i never really felt particularly like i'm a man uh, and i always was like i don't get it i joined the military i was in combat i put my hands inside of people and saved their lives medically not in that way and <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i've done all this manly stuff why don't i feel more like a man and my, I met a friend of mine, James Tyson, who's a wonderful comedian, and 
uh, they were like, oh, I'm non-binary. I just, neither one. And sometimes I wear a dress, and, and then they put on makeup. And I was, I would just pester them with questions. I'm like, so you just, you can just wear makeup? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, and that's fine. He's like, no. I get attacked for it all the time. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> that makes sense. But, but through the, my friendship with them, I, I started to be like, oh, this kind of feels, maybe this is something. And I came on TikTok, and I, I swear to God, TikTok, that algorithm, much as I hate it, it, my God. Uh, so when I joined TikTok, it was like ADHD content, veterans, and like a lot of gay shit. And I was like, why am I getting all the gay? <laughs> I'm not, I don't think I'm gay. And, and it's just like, uh, so many posts of being like, if you see this, you're gay. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> And I made like a joke video about it, being like, I don't have time to unpack this. I'm a veteran. I've got all this other trauma to unpack. And that led to the, the Summon the Gays video. And then the Summon the Gays video, when I said I was questioning my gender identity, that got so big that my sister saw it. And then it, it got back to my parents. And I don't know why. I was just like, yeah, I think I'm queer. I liked that word at the time. I hadn't settled on gender fluid non-binary. I was just like, I just think I'm different. And I liked the word queer. And then I explored it more and more. I've settled on my favorite descriptor of what I think my uh, gender and sexuality is, is that I am a butch lesbian comfortably trapped in the body of a man. <laughs> with no That's amazing. With, with no intention of doing anything about it. Because, because I, first of all, every one of my lesbian friends and I dress exactly the same. I... <laughs> I drove a Subaru Baja, like a yellow Subaru Baja, and I traded that in for a Jeep Wrangler, so I've been representing for years. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I seem to almost exclusively fall in love with lesbians. So, <laughs> I, uh, you know... You, you might be a lesbian. <laughs> I think inside, internally, lesbian. That's my gender that I've decided on. Or, you know, to be specific, gender neutral, or uh, not gender, uh, uh, gender fluid non-binary. Which is why I like... Because I don't really want to transition, because I don't think there's anything I could transition to where I would be like comfortable all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I, although my favorite, it's interesting how your your sexuality or your gender will bubble up. Uh, my dog is named Loki, despite being a girl, because Loki is classically a gender fluid character, and I would I loved explaining that to people. I think <laughs> I did that on purpose. And anytime anyone's ever asked me what superpower I would want, I always say shape-shifting. And at the time, I was like, because it's the best one. But now I'm like, oh, because I want to not, I want to be able to just shift. That's, that would be my goal. If we could ever get CRISPR to let me just shape-shift, <laughs> I'm all about it. That's the gender I want. Um, and I'm always, like, drawn to characters that can shape-shift and change their genders. And, and they're the, I love a character who's so fluid in their shape-shifting that they don't have, like, a normal, like, uh, form that they go to. There's a few, like, uh, in media that I really identify with. So, like, all of that kind of... I guess TikTok just sort of forced my hand. <laughs> <laughs> was it... But was it, like, kind of nice to, like, have that moment of, like, find... Like, knowing that you can, like, safely put this out there and there's, like, a lot of people who are like, fuck yes, hooray. Well, at first I was really worried because, like, I've been exploring this idea of am I on the spectrum for years, and I'm so high-functioning that all the doctors I've talked to are like, probably, but we'll never be able to diagnose, and it's always been this, like, struggle to get a diagnosis, but with gender identity, you just say it and it's true, 
but I was like waiting for someone to come along and be like, here you go, you're queer. <laughs> That's so, act like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. When and, I say that yeah. you just voice something that I've been feeling in my head for years, like I keep waiting for the queer police to show up at my door right? and be like, you're not gay enough, ma'am. Like, because people are like, hold on, you're a male presenting uh, person with a beard who is attracted to women. You're not queer. And I'm like, screw you. I, like I've already had that. I've been, I, I've been out for two weeks and people are like, not queer enough. That's so and, real. Like, I married a man, and people are like, nah, -uh, nah, -uh. and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I'm right? sorry. Sorry, the everybody, I messed up. <laughs> the queer erasure. God forbid I'm not. Uh, and my, I, I met with my that friend, James Tyson, and he asked similar. He's like, so what does this mean to you? And like, what, what are you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I basically was like, well, I might have come out. I might, I might be queer out of spite, just to... <laughs> Just to show those fascists what what, and he's like, "Well, that that's valid." <laughs> he's like, "That's the gayest thing ever." You know, the the spite queers like that's we love a spite queer. Like, I definitely, I definitely came out out of spite. I, I guess I'll stay here for the. <laughs> but so many people reached out and were like, "If you're wrong, that's fine. It's like it's just enough that you are even." trying on the label but i will say that when i finally started saying that i'm queer and i just started talking about it i internally felt like a bell ring and it was like oh okay this is true this is like a universal truth for me and my like spiritually maybe it's just maybe it's just i just like it but for the way that i make my own decisions it was like this checks this checks the the vibe it passes the vibe check <laughs> i heard a quote the other the other day that uh um the woke need to make room for the still waking. Um, and I think I, I liked it very much. I love that. Yeah. The, the woke need to make room for the, well, not, I don't know if it was need to, but uh, you know, it would be, it would behoove the woke to make room for the still waking. Um, and I think a lot of people, including myself, um, are really scared of doing a wrong thing. Um, and for that reason, don't talk about, or, or not don't talk about, but, um, are not doing their parts to shift the Overton window into just accepting the fact that uh, the LGBTQ community is just like, whatever, it's just part of humanity, like it's just there. Um, so I, I guess, do you have any advice to to people who might feel like they're, people who are uncomfortable talking about these types of things um, because they feel that they have to tread super lightly or, or they're worried about offending somebody that they love? Like, do you have any advice for people like that? Uh, well, as a very loud, outspoken person, um, <laughs> I, I mean, you're one of the this is one of the problems that I'm facing a lot is there isn't uh, a consensus. There's not like a document that you can refer to to being like, this is how to be appropriately woke, because like I said, I get attacked by the queer community for not being queer enough. Not all of them, just like uh, some of them are like, oh, I don't. And then there's bi erasure in the community. There's. There's uh, all sorts of problems with like who should or shouldn't be included. Uh, 4chan is trying to push that uh, you know pedophiles should be should be should be let in, and it's like no, no. <laughs> and although they they have their fun little name for them, the 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 maps or whatever it is. Oh, oh, I uh, hate all of that. Yeah, South Park. Oh, South you. Park has really eviscerated them. 
<laughs> so, uh, I so I guess my, uh, I mean, here's the thing. Like my partner said, you know, he's he in the podcast. He says he he said uh, maybe let's not punch Nazis, and he got a ton of hate for it. Like so, you can say things that aren't even like violent or wrong or vitriolic and people can still get mad i get people who are mad at me for random stuff all the time just like why aren't you talking about this specific issue or how dare you talk about this when you haven't you know you don't talk about like the third party why are you attacking third party voters when most people don't vote i'm like literally every other video is me screaming hey go vote stop being (laughs) selfish but i turn the lens to you people (laughs) you people that never goes well (laughs) (laughs) and they get all mad so it's like I think that if you want to support a community and you feel strongly about it, you should just do it. And largely, like, so in my video where I was like, hey, uh, trans people exist and they're fine. I said, um, uh, trans, what did I say? Uh, trans, I used, I, I've literally dropped it from my lexicon, but I used an inappropriate, I verbified trans. I, I was like, uh. Oh, I don't even remember. But I used the wording wrong, and people were like, hey, just so you know, I love your video, but when you use the word like that, that's how, um, you know, that's how people use it offensively. It's not something that you do. It's something that you are. And mm. I was like, oh, okay, cool. In the future, I will... Now, granted, it was super annoying to get, like, 400 of that comment after I was like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll do that. But it, it, most people weren't like, hey, you bigot, you... You, you use the word wrong. They were like, hey, we can tell you care. Maybe don't use, you know, bigot words. Same with when I said um, evidently suffragette is the offensive version, uh, and you should say suffragist. Oh. And I didn't know that. And I didn't I, you know, know that either until right I'm gonna, now. I'm gonna well, it's note that. in America, suffragette is uh, a way to demean them by being like the rockettes oh look at these suffragettes but in but in england that's just what they're called so it's dependent on where you are whether or not it's um what production of mary poppins you're doing (laughs) like but then like some people like I, i i called you know i called um mike pence a lizard piloting a meat mech and people people were like hey that's too close to lizard person, which is an anti-Semitic slur. So sometimes you'll just say something and people will just take a, like something way off and be like, you are being offensive. And I'm like, I don't think I am. I think those are different. But uh, So people are going to get mad at you. Just that's the Internet. Hey, everybody, it's me. Katie Osaurus, and I'm back with some more important announcements, mostly about what we've got coming up in the next couple of weeks. Our first big surprise guest is Ben Brainard. We figured you made it this far into the podcast, so you might as well know. We've also got Burrito and ADHD coming. We've got a few more great TikTokers, and we've also just got a lot of friendship with me and your pal, Eric. So thank you all so much for listening, and uh, now back back to the show. Transition! So as you've completely blown up on TikTok and also like kind of by extension on Twitter, like how how have you coped with that like was there a point where because i used to like obsessively read every comment that i got like i was like oh god like every comment i have to respond to every comment like and then like at some point i was like i i physically can't do this without burning myself out 
what did you have you had that moment yet did you like set up ground rules when you started picking up traction like how have you handled that well it's i'm like two months in i've only had tiktok since late august so i'm still you're on learning like the accelerated a accelerated track yeah <laughs> yeah i've and i gained my first hundred thousand in like two or three weeks so i had to like very quickly learn like so many things what do i do with a fan who's just like a little too obsessive and what do i do with someone who's too hateful and like i've just had to trial and error it and you know i've asked other creators here and there i've got a few people that i'm like oh god this happened what do i do and they're like oh yeah i had that try this i at first was like i'm gonna respond to everything and then that was a nightmare and it's just gotten to a point now where uh i i physically i physically can't i get yeah you know, hundreds of thousands to millions of views and then thousands and thousands of comments. I will say I'm not very good at responding to kind comments because I don't really know what to do with them. I'm very good at sarcastically responding to people who are like, oh, yeah, what about you? And I, <laughs> the commit, it's, it's interesting because I've developed, I see the same arguments over and over and over again. So I just have like default responses. Trump 2020, I go, oh, how brave. And <laughs> can I use that? That's hilarious. Oh, yeah, free. <laughs> and I just, I have like, I treat them like hecklers where they'll, I treat it like I'm doing a performance and you're coming in and you're saying something outlandish and I'm going to try to get you with, you know, a joke or just belittle the stupid thing that you said. I try not to. And then I've like, I used to be more, I would attack people and be like, listen, you smooth-brained octopus. I don't want to hear. And then someone would come in and go, hey, man, people call me smooth-brained, and that's really offensive. And I'm like, oh, shit, okay. And then I would be like, all right, you donkeys. And then people were like, hey, man, maybe you shouldn't call people donkey. So I like, as I did stuff, would see the response to it and have adjusted fire as I go. Now I try to attack people's arguments. Like, I've also had people who hated me and I was really mean to, and then they would like come around later and be like, hey, I actually changed my mind. And I'd be like, ooh, maybe I shouldn't write people off so so quickly. So I now will just attack people, um, like their arguments. That's changed a lot. Um, my responses to their arguments. Sometimes I'll see something and I'm starting to get a sense of, is this a person that I should be interacting with? If they come in and they're like, listen, you piece of shit. Trump's the greatest thing that's ever happened. You're, you're garbage. I'm like, ooh, block. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Uh, or if they're like racist right out the gate or if they if they're threatening right out the gate, I'm like, nope, no, thank you. Block. Goodbye. But if they come in and they're like, hey, um, what about this? I'll be like, oh, OK, let's let's engage a little bit. And then sometimes they're like, yeah, I got you. Trump's a great. I'm like, Oop. block. <laughs> goodbye. I always find it like the, the game that I always find myself playing with that or not the game, but the judgment I'm trying to make is if the creator responds to a thing, it elevates it literally it moves it to the top of the thing sometimes um which causes more people to see it it's the barbara streisand effect um the what so the barbara streisand you, effect you never heard, you've of that? Never heard that no please educate me i'm, I'm today's lucky ten thousand. oh dear sweet katie oh man what uh, is the barbara, barbara streisand effect? so uh, pa uh patrick do you, do you do you know more about this than i do you probably do I don't remember what specific video it was, but there was like a video that got on the internet and Barbara Streisand was like, this needs to come down. And it went 
everywhere. And it was, it's now this, it's like an effect where if you want something to be erased from the internet, people will spread it to spite you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Or, or, I thought we I, were doing like a Hello Dolly reference. Like I was confused. Well, now. Like I was like, okay, okay, I, okay. Apologies. I, was, I, I, I think of it as sort of in, in, in attempts to, I think, I, I think it, yeah, uh, I might be using it a bit more broadly than it was intended to, but like, I think of, you know, in order to try to shut down an argument, in order to try to be like, this is wrong, fuck this guy, um, you're just causing more people to see it. And so the best would be just be abstained from it all, just like the, it would be best for Barbara Streisand to just have not said anything and just hope nobody noticed. Was and it so the they, microphone story where she insisted that her microphone be painted white? Was it that one? I just looked I it up. Know. It's It was her uh her malibu residence and she wow. just didn't want it to be on the internet so then Eagle. everybody spread it everywhere <laughs> wow you type really quietly that, that was impressive. really good i mean well i'm just, i just want to say for the record like one of the things patrick that i admire most about your content is how gracious you are like really and truly like i mean that because it's like i watch all of your videos like i love your stuff and Every time that some dipshit comes in and says something mean or ignorant or whatever, like I have noticed, I have genuinely noticed that you are always like, let's talk about the argument. Let's talk about this attitude, but you're never like, fuck you and your dumb face. Like, and I really respect that because I feel like, especially like right now, we are at this moment in our history where just everything is fucked. Everything is terrible and everything is on fire. And you, you somehow brilliantly managed to do this thing where like, you're so passionate and you're so clearly yourself, but also like, you're really nice about it and you're really funny and it's just great. So take my compliment, take that, ha ha. That well, wasn't a question fair. at all. It was an aggressive compliment. <laughs> I fooled you. <laughs> well, I, I loved it, but to be fair, I do occasionally when I'm in a rare mood, will just be like, screw you, you fascist. <laughs> Stop sporting a goddamn fascist. But I, I've just, like, I feel, uh, I, I'm, I have so much empathy. It's, it's, like, hard for me to exist. Like, I don't eat meat because I saw too many videos on the internet of cows showing affection. And I just couldn't do it anymore. I was like, I didn't know they showed love. You can't show me that. Do they cuddle? I'll never eat another <laughs> burger. And... I, so like, there's a part of me, first of all, I've been groomed by a sociopath before. Like, it's a huge thing in comedy. I've been, I think because I'm neurodivergent and I'm funny and I'm empathetic, I like draw them to myself. I've mm -hmm. had quite a few close friends who were definitely sociopaths or at least malignant narcissists who use those sort of tactics. So I look at Trump and I go, this is a guy who has an, a fall everyone who likes him is in an abusive relationship with him and that's why they're always rushing to defend him because it's the same as someone who gets beat by their spouse he keeps hurting them and they're like no he didn't no you don't understand him like i do and it i identify with that and i just it just makes me sad and i don't i want them to i don't want to just like my thought is always like yeah we win hooray we win in a landslide what do we do with 30 percent of the country that is completely enamored with this sociopath. He's not just going to blip out of existence. God, I wish. But he, uh, I derailed myself with my joy about wishing that he would. <laughs> I don't want him to die. I want him to cease existing. Just go away. He's like a. Yeah, like like he just pop. He's like, oh no, and he just like boop, boop, 
Oh yeah, and there's Less- just glitter, <laughs> and it slowly fades just down to the ground, and, and like, then that's it. Really, glitter? He <laughs> or to one of my favorite TikTokers, he opens his a trench pile coat of and hams. A pile of hams. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just. <laughs> He's been a pile of hams this whole time. <laughs> but a pile I, of hams. I feel so much like empathy for them, where I'm like, I get why you're defending him, and I. I get that you believe this propaganda and I get that they really see the, the Democrats as like this evil force of baby killing monsters. And I'm just like, I, I don't think there's any point to just being like, Hey, screw you idiot. It's like, yeah, they're idiots, but like most of America is idiots and I love America. So granted, I don't really, I hate doing comedy for them. Uh, doing comedy for conservative audiences is the most upsetting and painful thing <laughs> it's such because com- stand-up comedy especially when you're talking about your own experiences is so personal and it's so immediate the rejection because i'll be like i think this and then just dead silence and you're like okay that is a direct admonishment of me as a person <laughs> and i i have this it's so funny i have this joke that i'm i think my best joke that i'm very proud of it's a it's, it's on my YouTube, if anyone's curious. It's my New York Comedy Club audition. It's like a four-minute long act out where I, in the moment, I'm like arguing. Basically, the setup is I say that I'm uh, a medic in uh, – I was a medic, and I didn't have a gun because of the Geneva Conventions. And then I jokingly am like, boy, I wish the terrorists had read those because they <laughs> shot at me the whole time. And then I have this act out where I'm yelling to a, 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 an Afghan uh, or a terrorist. And I'm just like, hey, no, I'm not. I'm not a part of this. A medic. You get it. And then it slowly unravels that I realize that he's a kid and that he's been like, I'm like, oh, you're a 16-year-old kid fighting a technologically superior enemy that's been in your country your whole life? Oh, that kind of makes me feel like the bad guy. And then it just slowly unravels that, like, maybe America's not the good guy in this 19-year war on terror, which is why it's so funny these tankies keep attacking me for being an imperialist. But in New York, it crushes. And I did it in the South, and they were like, laugh, laugh, laugh. It is funny that the terrorists shot at you. Oh, and then as soon as I was like, maybe America's not the good guy, dead silence. They were like, no, we refuse to even engage with you on this level that we're not perfect and amazing. And it's like so frustrating because my whole act is about like nuance and like it's okay to be a soldier and it's also okay for war to be bad. And liberal audiences i think or at least new york audiences go along with that a little further and in the south they're just like absolutely not and they don't care that you're a veteran they don't care that you've been and done they're like no my propaganda trumps your lived experience and it's and then oh the part that drives me the most crazy is that they all sat there in silence and we're like we don't think you're funny and then they laughed. The hardest laugh of the night was the next comedian who said, um, marriages are harder the longer you've been in them. And that crushed my soul. And then they all lined up and thanked me for my service one by one as they walked out the door. They were like, you're not funny, but like, thank you for getting blown no. up for America. Can I, can I ask the question, what do you think of thank you for your service? Like, how do you feel about it when like randos just like walk up to you? I... I've been trying to develop this new a bit for years. It's never the people I want to be talking to me. It's never like a beautiful girl who's like, oh my God, thank you. It's always just like an aggressive dude who's just like, hey, I would have joined, but like, you know, I I, I have a family 
or whatever. And and it's always like it always feels like it has way more to do with them than it does with me. And a little less on TikTok. People seem pretty genuine about it on TikTok. They're like, oh my God, thank you. And I don't know what to do with it. I'm just like, well, I don't think it helped you, <laughs> me being in Afghanistan. It might have helped some locals and it might have helped some people that I treated, but I don't I don't know if the war in Afghanistan's helping the American people uh particularly. Uh, well that's that's not complicated. Uh, but so it I get it a lot from people who are I feel being disingenuous, not in the moment, but it's like Republicans like to thank me for my service and then vote in a way that ruins my life. And I'm like, if you really want to thank me, I would like health care, please. I would like adequate health care. And they're like, oh, well, uh, we're not. Uh. Well, you want to come out in the beginning of this football game and we'll call you a hero and then we'll trot you back away? Would you prefer? And I'm like, no, I don't. I don't want that at all. I want I want health care and money. Could I have money? And they're like, no, God, no. <laughs> so it's like, wh why? I, I it just feels like empty. It's like, give me health. Like, why are 30 million veterans homeless if you're so thankful? I know that you can't quarter us in your house because of the Constitution, but, like, <laughs> you could put us somewhere. <laughs> I mean, do you think, perhaps, do you think um, that, that that cognitive dissonance, that let's trot you out on the football field and we'll all applaud and stuff, and then as soon as you're off the stage, like, what, you want, you want basic human, like, kind of, fuck you. <laughs> like, do you think that that's on the outs, hopefully? Like, do you think that we're arriving at a more compassionate time as time goes goes on? No, I'm worried that we're going the other direction because it, like, okay, so we had Vietnam and everyone came back and they were like, you're all baby killers. And then we sent a generation into a VFW to drink themselves to death. And then the nation seemed to be like, okay, that wasn't the way to go. And then in the 90s, it was largely, who cares? And then 9-11, and then 9-11 is like, now all troops are heroes, full stop, how dare you? And then we've been in that mode for like 20 years, and I feel like the pendulum doesn't have a nuance setting. It's not going to be like, okay, maybe baby killers is too far one way, and every single one of them as a hero is too far the other way let's and in the military there's a term bracketing the target if you shoot artillery you shoot a little too far and you shoot and you shoot it a little too close and then you try to meet in the middle so you can you know trap the people you're trying to kill uh oops and uh <laughs> this is a terrible analogy for people i want to stay alive but now the it seems to be swinging the other way where either people are apathetic entirely to veterans and it seems to be like split along party lines. Either we're, we're like, hey, you're a hero and you're perfect and you're great and we're not going to vote to help you. Or I don't care. I don't like war and I don't know any veterans. Or even further, you're a baby killer. So it this week was particularly frustrating to me, not just because of the hate I received, but because my mission just got harder. I mean, I my whole goal with comedy is like I want veterans to be treated better I don't think that yelling, you treat us badly, is going to help. So I was like, I'll get so funny about it that I can, like, insinuate the message the way Carlin did. But with, like, hey, maybe treat veterans better is is the, the goal of mine. And now I just found out it's like, oh, it's not. I'm not just battling apathy. I'm battling full-on hatred. Hooray. So I, I worry that, that it's just... We're, we're getting even more marginalized and even more... Because now we've become like a political prop of the right. And everybody just assumes that 
all soldiers are conservative, which is crazy to me. Because first of all, the military is pretty apolitical. Like we never had political discussions while I was in. I, I had no idea what anybody thought about politics and I couldn't have given a shit less. And maybe it's a little different now because it's much more divisive. But like they did polls of the military and only 30% support Trump. 50% are largely independent, and then and like the other, whatever the math works out to, or Democrats, or, or the left. The military is pretty much the same slice as the rest of the population, just graded down for education, because most of them are um, uh, more on the poverty side. That's where they recruit, unless you're an officer, which is a t totally different. I'm talking about mostly the enlisted ranks. Do you, do you think like, cause I've been thinking a lot about like the pandemic and how like we're talking about, like we're already having the conversation about like pandemic fatigue and how people are like giving up cause they're just like over it. And they're just like, whatever, I'm tired of my brain being consumed. Do you think that some of that comes down to, like I was in eighth grade when 9-11 happened. And so like 9-11 has like, eighth grade on my entire life has been war in the middle east it has been people coming in and out we're going to pull soldiers out we're going to put soldiers back in like blah 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 and and it gets to the point where it's just like it becomes so innocuous it becomes such a part of your daily life that like i'm not even gonna lie like i didn't I haven't really ever spent a lot of time thinking about the people that are coming back because in my head they're always there like there's, you know what I mean? Do you think that's part of it is like just that like oppressive thing of it just like is always a constant in our lives. And so people just forget about the the end, the endings of it. I Sure. And I also think in general, people don't want to think about unpleasant things. It's like nobody wants to deal with the homeless problem. They just want to, it's so much easier to say, well, you know, they're probably there because because they didn't work hard enough or whatever the stupid reason to excuse yeah. rampant inequality is today. I, uh, most of the people I talk to are shocked to find out the wars are still happening and they're like, Oh yeah, we're still doing that. And it's like, that's, what? that's frustrating. Tons of people are, first of all, everybody always assumes I went to Iraq, which is weird because Iraq lasted from 2003 to 2010. And Afghanistan's been going on for 19 years and ostensibly oh is the 9-11 war. But nobody, I, my the joke I say is because Iraq is easier to say. <laughs> so people are just remember that one better. But people are like, oh, did you go to Iraq? I'm like, nope. And they're like, oh, uh, is Afghanistan still happening? I'm like, it sure is. It's a nightmare. And they, people either don't have an opinion about it. They think that it's, entirely bad and wrong, which I disagree with because like one, we're not the only people there. There's 120 plus countries in the ISAF, the International Security Armed Forces, who are there at the behest of the Afghan government, who are helping them transition from being under terrorist rule to having like a functioning government. And that, but we're also like not supposed to be nation building. We're supposed to be letting them do it on their own. And it's just, it just isn't happening. I mean, there's still rampant terrorism there. And also the president's making deals with the with the Taliban, which is yeah, just Jesus whole, Christ. which is just a whole thing. But people either don't know anything about it, they think it's entirely wrong, or they think it's entirely right. Although what's weird is now that Trump has said we're gonna bring the troops back, the right is like, oh, so you don't want the wars to end? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
guy. You're the conservatives like endless war. That's your whole platform. And they're like, no, now I'm, I'm anti-war now. So now the far left is anti-war and the right is politically advantageous anti-war and the, the liberals seem largely apathetic. So this, I hate it. I hate it on all, every one of them. I'm like, you're all so the, the worst about this. I feel like I'm not sure or yeah, kinda, or um, I don't know enough about that to really have a valid opinion is such an unacceptable answer. Like, and that that's really frustrating. I feel like we should say that more often. So should we completely just Thanos snap our fingers and completely get out of Afghanistan? Like, that seems very unnuanced. The problem that people don't seem to grasp is the reasons that we got into the war are largely irrelevant 19 years after the fact. We could have an argument about the, the moral and the ethical uh, ramifications of it, but that doesn't, like... That has nothing to do with the fact that, like, we are there, we are entrenched there, and if we leave, it gets way worse for the region. So right now, we're like, basically, we walked up to a dam and we stuck our finger in it. And now everyone's like, man, we really should stop putting our finger in that dam. And it's like, yeah, but then the dam comes down. And they're like, yeah, but, like, should we have been there in the first place? It's like, that doesn't, we are still, like, the finger is in there. So, like, what, if we just leave, it's going to be a, oh, my God, so many people are going to die innocent people who don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen. And there's, if there were an easy solution, we would have done it by now. Obama had eight years and I don't think he wanted to be the stay in Afghanistan president. Although I'm sure someone will be, well, well, Halliburton. Granted, our entire economy is largely propped up by the military industrial complex. So it's, it's nuanced. There's so much to it. So, okay, so we, our producer is telling us that we have to move on. Hey. Um, that's, that's a joke that we have when we get too far off topic. We don't have a <laughs> producer. Uh, so, but what, uh, I think to, to kind of close up this section. So I don't know if you know this or not, but there's an election coming up next, next week. What? I know. Uh, Holy shit, it's a week from today. Sorry. I just yeah. realized it's oh, did Tuesday. you just get there? Well, yeah. I already you just got there, buddy. <laughs> this this week's going to be a nightmare. Yeah. So, okay, God well, okay, so I mean, sort of like really broad question. Like, what do you want to like do you have anything that you want to say about it? What are, what are you thinking about it? Are you okay? Do you need a hug? Can I help you in any way? <laughs> like, I'm worried about you this week. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm I kind of am too, honestly. I'm worried about me too. I literally yesterday was like, "Boy, what is this like you have been there's a part of me that's been escalating a character where the closer it gets to the election, the more unhinged I am. And I don't know how much of that is a bit. Maybe none of it. <laughs> Maybe none of it is a bit. I might just be very unhinged. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm this weird combination of like very hopeful and extremely worried. Because every time I look at anything, it's like the polls all should also go vote. If you're listening, please vote. And assuming this comes out before it comes out or the election. And uh, the it looks like more people are voting than ever before. It looks like more people have, I mean, 50 million have already cast their ballots, which is insane. That's like a third of who have already, who voted the last time or something. I don't know the exact math. The He's winning, Biden's winning in all these states that I never thought possible, like Texas. Texas has the largest youth turnout in the country. So I read these things and I'm like, okay, this is all great. 
oh my god, I'm so excited. But then I look and they're like stealing. They're pretty much taking all the people who stole the election for Bush and Gore, and now they're in the Supreme Court. So it's like, Ugh, I, yeah. I, does it? It doesn't matter. I I am hopeful that if he wins by such a historic landslide that Trump won't be able to sue in the court, or it just will be like, okay, you're lying. But I'm worried about election night. I'm worried that there'll be a red mirage and Trump will declare victory. And it'll be like, but he isn't. And I don't really know what the political norms will be. And I just don't want to protest for the rest of the year because that's what it'll be. If he steals the election, I'll, I, I, I have to. I, you know, we all have to. And it's, I'm, I'm torn between, like, I'm very hopeful that the people will resoundly reject him and his fascism and all the horrible things. He, just in this last year, since March, I think, if nothing else, his response to the coronavirus, I think, is uh, uh, he should be literally tried for crimes against humanity. And the fact that they're that now they're just giving up and saying we're going for herd immunity, which was never an option and still isn't, that just means a lot of people are going to die for no reason. We could prevent yeah. this. And it's so frustrating to me as a medical provider, as as someone who spent uh, his entire career in like preventative medicine, a lot of the military is preventative medicine. It's just trying to get soldiers to not do stupid stuff. Like, hey, don't touch your smallpox. Because we, we had to give smallpox injections to everybody, cowpox. But they had these open sore. And I had to get 800 infantry guys not to touch them and then touch each other's faces. Because they thought that was the funniest thing. I'm going to give you smallpox. And I'm like, no! <laughs> you literally will! <laughs> and now it feels like that idiot is running the country and is like, yeah, just cough on each other, whatever. It's like the it's like chicken pox. It's like it's it's it isn't though. It's not though. So and and like, you know, I'm terrified of everybody losing their rights. I'm terrified of what they're gonna do. Even if Biden wins and they don't contest it, I'm like, what are those two months gonna be? I'm also terrified TikTok's still going to go away. Like, I know Same. that's very selfish. No, yeah. it's it, Eric and I talk about this all the time. Like, <laughs> after all that other stuff, I'm like, in my TikToks. <laughs> it's totally valid, though, because it's like, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like TikTok has kind of been the thing that got me through the pandemic generally. Because it's like, it gave me a reason to get out of bed a lot of days. And I say that a lot and I'm not exaggerating. Like, cause it's like, I lost my job. I don't have anything going and I'm a performer. I've spent my entire life in the performing arts and now they're just fucking gone. And so like having a platform that I can like connect with people and have that, like I genuinely worry all the time about it getting taken away because like, oh, the, the, you know, our information's getting stolen. I'm like, where is it not getting stolen? Like when, like you have a phone in your pocket, calm down. Like none of, all of that is just lies too. He just wanted to push the deal so he could try to take a piece of it. I liked that during the debate, Biden basically resoundly said that if he got elected, TikTok wouldn't go away. He said something about Chinese and the 51% patent for technology. And I was like, that's what this is about. So yeah, I also I'm think well, I'm worried that he'll lose, he'll lose and he'll still ban it. And it'll just be like, but but you're not why yeah stop it yeah because now that i like i first everyone when i first happened like the multiple it's going away i panicked and i like called my friend i'm like it's all over everything is yeah. is ruined Same. and he's like oh god did he nuke someone i'm like no tiktok is going away <laughs> 
It's okay. And he was, I definitely like, did the same thing. It's okay. <laughs> well, they're all like, we'll just move to a different social media platform. I'm like, they are not the same. There's they're something not. about TikTok that is just more positive and like, uh, it fits my, first of all, I think it, I think it's specifically designed for people with ADHD. Same. I think that's why same. I work. I think it's why I work here. Cause it's just like crazy cameras and zo snap zooms. And I'm just like, wah, wah, wah. and people are like, Oh yeah, I'll watch this for a minute. And I'm, I don't want to, uh, in, Instagram is fine, but t Twitter is a nightmare garbage fire that hates me. I don't want to go back to building my platform exclusively there. It, when I, not just because I've built one here, but it's just like, I like this environment better. Granted, I, I hate the algorithm. It makes me so angry all the time. Same. But other than me arguing with a soulless robot each day, I, I like the community <laughs> of TikTok and the format. And I, you know, it's the reason I came out of the closet. It's, it's, it has meaning to me. It started, I think it started meaning a lot to a lot of people. And, and it's weird because we are all on that corner of like, mental health TikTok, like we're all kind of like living there and that's the TikTok that they don't talk about you know like they're always like oh it's a dumb app for 12 year olds who dance and i'm like yeah but there's 40 year olds who message me about like their marriage being saved because of yeah. the information that they're finding about their mental illness like there's there's more than one facet to it i think and and i hate that people trivialize it because it's become something that's like really important to me yeah, absolutely. And I also, I want to give both of you specifically and anybody who might be listening who also feels this way, um, permission to be scared of it going away and, and admit that it's a big deal to you. Um, like for me, you know, I spend a lot of my time thinking I'm a massive piece of shit and I've spent a lot of my life thinking I'm a massive piece of shit. Um, and I can think of my, any, any, uh, you know, accomplishments that I might have, I can devalue those and I can think, oh, well, I only got there because of my privilege. But when I get a lot of messages saying like, hey, I understand my son better because of what you've done, thank you. Um, suddenly it's like, oh, I can't tell them they're wrong because they're not wrong. Like that's, I can't deny that. And so when people tell me stuff like that, suddenly my ego starts to fade and I stop <laughs> worrying so much about like me and my accomplishments and what am I? And it's like, what, this is by far, by far the biggest avenue for me personally. and a lot of people to help other people sort of ironic that like gaining, you know, thousands and thousands of followers causes you to realize that like, it's not about you. Um, <laughs> but if that gets taken away from uh, all of us, but from, I guess in my case specifically, then suddenly I have, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I can't help those people anymore. Um, and I go back to being, a potato and I hate myself and all that stuff. So anyways, I just want to say it's, a, you know, I think it's valid to be worried that TikTok is going away because it's, it means a lot to a lot of people, including me. And I think it's okay to admit that. Um, speaking of platforms though, uh, we're going to, I want to do something else at the end, but before we do that, uh, speaking of other platforms, where can we find your stuff? You have a, a two, two podcasts, two podcasts. No, no, just the one. Just the, one. Uh, okay. the it's now called I look the like an idiot. <laughs> Uh, I've been on a few others. Maybe you saw. Okay, I think that's what uh, I was thinking. Of, but you've got War Porn, right? Yes, I'm on the War Porn podcast, which uh, is better than it sounds. I <laughs> I thought more people knew the term. Like on Reddit, when you say porn, it means just like a thing that if you're if it's like nature porn, it's just photos porn, of nature, yeah. food porn. But people are like, is this like pornograph uh, like of the war? I'm like, no, it's just. 
it's just so the the general quick pitch is that me and a clinical therapist sit down and we watch like a popular movie a lot of like marvel and dc films and we just use a lens of like what does this have to say about war and how does it portray the military and combat and fighting and then uh usually we then break down some of my own trauma as related to whatever we just watched like captain america i think is a story about ptsd so we talked about that a lot uh, and then occasionally we do special episodes like how I got big on TikTok or this week we talked about how I received all this hate. So we use it f for that as well. And you can find that. Um, it's the War Porn Podcast everywhere. Spelled like it, how it sounds. Patrick, do you have anything that you want to like add or touch on or anything before before we go? Um, I guess I my advice to everyone is be courageous. If you want to put something on the internet and you're worried about what people are going to say, I think you should just do it anyway. And <laughs> this always feels like terrible advice because I feel like I'm like, what if I'm talking to a Nazi? And they're like, he, you know, I was going to keep my anti-Semitism to myself. But now, now it's like, okay, barring hate, if you have something productive, you should put it on the internet. And uh, I, I think that people should, uh, you know, do what you do what you think is important follow your passions and don't don't let fear of uh repercussion as someone who has received a crazy amount of repercussions for my opinions i still would advise that you do it i think it's worth it i th i think that don't especially now in this tumultuous time don't allow yourself to be silenced don't allow uh if you're lgbtq or a woman or a person of color or an indigenous person or, or anyone who i'm not thinking of uh, who is in a disenfranchised community, I think that you should, you know, try to be the voice of that community or support voices that you believe are, are speaking to what you believe if you're not someone who wants to put yourself out on the internet. Uh, I think I think that's important right now. And uh, try to spread positivity, I guess. Patrick Lawler, thank you so much for being here. Check them out on TikTok. And also they have a fantastic new podcast called War Porn that you should check out too. Uh, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Patrick. You're welcome. And that's it. That's the end of episode four. Uh, thank you so much again to Patrick Lawler for being a part of our podcast. We were so honored to have them on. We love their content. Make sure to give their podcast a listen and go follow them on TikTok. As a reminder, we're also doing bonus content this episode. And so we play a rousing game of Would You Rather, uh, which is Marvel themed, I guess. Yeah, a little and bit. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's pretty fun. Uh, and so if you want to check that out, it will be available on our Patreon. And as always, thank you so much for supporting us. Thank you so much for believing in this project. And we will see you next week week.